following podcast contains strong language and explicit content. And if that offends you, then I suggest you switch this off. This is a Podcast Now production. I had a meeting with my therapist and I went in and I kind of had this checklist of things that I wanted to talk about. But actually, I just talked ad nauseum for the whole session about my relationship, which actually wasn't really on the radar. And I felt that... love bites a podcast about all the things you were told you couldn't talk about like i've got a very interesting fact which really cracked me up did you know laura wearing high heels can negatively affect a woman's orgasm negatively affect a woman's orgasm yeah whilst she's wearing the heels or just in general (laughs) i thought i was like when i read that i was like when she's wearing it during sex or what so Certain high-end shoe brands developed the arch in their high-heeled shoes to approximate the arch in a woman's pelvis where, when she's having an orgasm. The heel creates a contraction in the pelvic floor, which is problematic because the pelvic floor then cannot contract further during orgasm. And orgasm usually is like going from zero to 60. If you're already at 55 from wearing heels, you are not going to have a full experience. So I believe this is for women that wear high heels every day. Right. So what you're saying is we all need to be working all our Crocs and Birkenstocks in order to achieve optimal orgasm. Exactly. Like I'm a flip-flop gal, basically wear flip-flops every day or no shoes. So I'm cool. But Do you know what? I actually don't really know anybody this applies to in Northern Ireland, except for my best friend Tina. She is an like a she works for a skincare brand. She's an educator. She's on her feet all day and she will wear those fuck off. 120 Louboutins, you know, like those skyscrapers every single day. In Dubai, I don't know if you notice, but like people do wear high heels a lot. Like I wore high heels every day to work. But yeah, currently I have got these monstrosities on my feet, like actual Birkenstocks, the most odd. Yeah, they're cute, right? They're plastic. They actually stink of um, burning plastic. They're from one of the cheapest shops that ever existed in the UK. If you basically put a naked flame to these shoes, they would go up in flames any second. So that doesn't apply to me, Fiona, but thank you for that very interesting fact. If you want to report any facts to us, if you have anything to share, if you've got any insights whatsoever, you know where to find us on Instagram. And that is lovebitespodcast underscore. Can I also just mention something about feet, right? Yeah, I have this cushion, like about this half the size of the palm of my hand underneath my foot, you know, the front kind of pillow. And it's so, it's like, it's not even dry skin. It feels like leather at the front of my foot. I have got the most unattractive feet you have ever seen in your life. And I maintain that's from wearing heels in Dubai. Yeah, I mean, definitely like I don't wear heels that often, although I had to wear heels this weekend because I went, um, I met my boyfriend's family and they were all six foot and above. And I was literally like a little borrower compared to them, even with heels on. But other than that, I don't usually wear heels that often. I'm like, a, I'm a flat shoe gal, even though I'm like the size of like a stool. 
do you know what though you're working in like d3 and stuff everybody's really funky and cool up there you can get away with so many cool flat shoes yeah, I literally I stopped wearing normal clothes completely I've just stopped I can't I, I put on a bra today and I felt so weird it felt so weird also can I just say really quickly another interesting fact as well I well actually we may have thought we may have discussed this already I really think that having sex brings on your period so I was due on like two days ago mm-hmm. and I felt like it was coming and I you know when you get like a tiny tiny like drop of blood and I was like oh my god it's here and then it just went for two days and then we had sex yesterday and it came. Do you know what that is actually aligns very much with my experience because there'll be a little bit of spotting but it's kind of that not claret blood it's kind of that brownish discolored blood and that I think that's like the precursor to your period and you'll go a couple of days expecting your period to come and it doesn't and then a few days later it does come I think that's something most girls must must experience I think that when you have sex it jiggles it yes it just kind of like disrupts the area because honestly that that's why I was like oh also I I put I uh I made us a I made us a sex date good for you because I just it, it like you know when it like gets to the point also I'm going away on Wednesday and I was and I knew my period was coming so I was like <laughs> like a month uh-huh. I, was like, I was like this weekend I was like this Friday it's happening and then we ate too much pizza and we couldn't but then like yesterday I was like I don't care how tired you are from golf I don't care what you're feeling like when you get home it is happening and it did I literally but afterwards we had a re- like we just we felt really good and now we're, we're cool didn't have sex for the rest of the week and I'm going on holiday and we're cool so you're you're at that point you're like the 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 second phase of the relationship that yeah. we discussed you're not you're you're entering a, another realm of like comfort and peace I know. um yeah so good for you how did it go with his family how did that all go it was really good he has two teenage sisters so um that was really interesting because they're a different species in they are yeah although we are we really actually to be honest with you they're quite grown up teen, they're quite like as in like they're quite mature teenagers because we were having a great time we bonded over euphoria I don't know if you've watched euphoria no but they asked um they asked me not to watch it with him because he would lock them in a box after watching right because it's very saucy content it. no but i've you've talked about it and i've seen oh. it over social media and i'm assuming that it's a bit racy a bit daring a bit naughty it's no yeah it is but it's just basically about like it's just about these like group of teenagers that go to school and they're just like they're all just like all kinds of fucked up and they just do drugs and they get drunk and whatever and then one of my friends Chloe messaged me and was like because I posted something on Instagram and she was like my mom is a teacher in a school and she was like this is exactly what it's like and I was like oh my god okay so everything went good were you nervous about that I, I was a little bit, but do you know what? I was mostly nervous about the teenagers. I feel like I feel like I'm like cool with parents. Me and parents are good. I feel like uh-huh. parents love me. It's very easy with parents because you know you just say, "Oh yeah, I do this kind of work," and they're like, "Okay, cool. You're obviously a sensible human being." Like you know what I mean? Like yeah. it's very easy. I've got a posh accent. It's cool. Whereas like with teenagers, like it's scary because I'm like I don't know what to talk to you about. I don't know what to relate, but it was actually really good. Though. Do you know so, what I have to say, Fiona? The first time I met my boyfriend's parents, it was probably the most nervous I'd ever been. Really? Like, yeah, yeah I was so good with like people. I was on characteristically nervous, and you know <laughs> what? 
I kind of, I, I didn't know his parents, but I knew of them in the sense that, uh, you know, I have a friend who's a nurse who worked with his dad, who's a surgeon and his reputation precedes him. You know, he's a very well-known man in the medical realm. So his, so is his mother. And I suppose I just built them up to be really big, scary, upper middle class physicians. And here I was this girl just coming back from Dubai, didn't really know what the fuck I was doing with my life, have a podcast, have a blog, you know, there are people that I felt anyway, I built it up, they, they would want him to be with a, like a doctor, or a lawyer, or a something that they could wrap their head or their head around, they're, you know, very traditional beings, and to be fair, Fiona, I reckon it probably took them a year to not just warm up to me, but to wrap their head around the type of person that I was, because I find that they'd ask questions and they'd say, so help us explain this hungry thing you have. So obviously my blog is Hungry Girl Belfast. I talk about food and fashion and wellness and you name it and I talk about it and they just couldn't wrap their head around. And then my boyfriend would say, you know, Laura and I have been, um, Laura has been invited to your restaurant so I'm going with her and they'd say why why would they respectfully why would they invite you they just couldn't wrap their heads around any of it so in hindsight I shouldn't have been afraid of that situation but I was nervous and it's probably taken me a year to get them on side and now I think they like me um I think now they realize that I'm not like this mad bastard from Dubai, which maybe I actually am on some level, but it's interesting. And the reason that I'm so interested in how you felt before you met them was because I felt so nervous, uncharacteristically so, and actually felt sick for days beforehand. But you are, you get quite nervous about like yeah. things like, like not, not that it's a performance, but like you'd, you don't like public speaking and like putting yourself in a situation where you could be put on the spot so obviously when you're meeting parents and you're trying to make a good impression like you are when you're public speaking so I guess it's kind of the same thing I don't I just think it's because I've got no filter Fiona and maybe (laughs) you're a lot more measured or controlled or you've had a lot more experience in dealing with situations but I get verbal diarrhea we all get it my dad my dad gets it my sister gets it, my mom not so much, but like whenever we're nervous, we just ramble and start saying the most inappropriate, like illogical things. And whenever there's a silence, him, my boyfriend and his parents, they're perfectly comfortable with the silence. They operate on a very measured level. That's the type of home that they live in. And yet I'm like, so um, uh, 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 verbal diarrhea, verbal diarrhea, an onslaught of verbal fucking diarrhea. And I'm like, Laura, why can you not stop speaking? But that's something I've definitely tried to manage over the years like if there's a a silence it doesn't necessarily have to be uncomfortable it's only uncomfortable to be and actually if I just sit back and say nothing and let the conversation unfold naturally then that's completely fine as well and I think you're very good at that like I've never seen you like basically projectile vomit no you know I mean like don't get me wrong like I think meeting parents is 
I didn't mean his dad, I meant his stepmom and, okay. and his sister. So like meeting parents, like I, and I think that we, we were talking about it and like he's going to meet my sister when she comes out in October. And it's like, we're almost like drip feeding our families because yeah. sometimes what can be overwhelming, I think, is if the mum and dad or like the whole family are together in one go. Because at one point I thought that my parents and my sister, well, my sister's moving here, but the first time that he would have met everyone would have been Christmas, which is like a threat, like quite an intense time anyway, but like to have everyone all in one go. So it's like drip feeding quite nicely. I think now that's, I think that's like, a really nice well, way to go. Yeah, gone and given feedback. So when I like meet his dad and like his other family, I think it'll be fine. But yeah, I mean, like, I also like, I haven't met the parents for such a long time. because obviously like, I haven't been in a long time relationship for like a serious relationship for a while. I did meet my ex-boyfriend's dad just before like COVID happened. I met Alex's dad um, and that was quite nice. But other than that, I've not really like met the parents. So, oh God, it is quite a nerve wracking thing. And it's so weird because it's like, you're, I don't know what, like, I don't know. Cause like, I feel like, what are we trying to to get? Like, it's like the stamp of approval that, I don't know, I guess I, I would hate, I couldn't cope if my parents or family didn't like, if they didn't like him, which I don't think they would, as in, I, I know they will. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I would, I would have to work out with them. Yeah. Well, I, you know, it's funny because isn't it that parody that we've talked about before, Fiona, about we are so considerate and respectable, respective of ourselves and our numerous layers and depths. So I think about all these things that I'm insecure about, but when it comes to him, I'm like, oh, fuck it, you'll be fine. So I was nervous about going to meet his mom and dad. And I think his sister was there yet. I had the fucking audacity to bring him to a family party of mine where he had never met anybody before. And I think I introduced him to like, quote unquote, a few people. It transpired. There was about 30 of my family members there from aunts, uncles, cousins. And he was so taken aback, but ultimately he held himself really well and everybody liked him. But he said to me, you could have just given me a little bit of a heads up for yeah. because if that was the other way around, that would not have been okay. And I was like, fuck it. You know what? You're actually really spot on with that one. And yeah, yeah so, sometimes I do have this, Some I don't know what it is and I've done it before and I've spoke to you about it. I'm quite, maybe the word is inconsiderate to your point, but I would not have been happy if I was put in that position, but I kind of let him just. I think we all in relationships we all are guilty of that I definitely can do things sometimes that like I wouldn't like but I still do them like for example like I I did something very similar the other day actually we got invited to a dinner uh-huh. um, by our good friend Sunny um, at his hotel and at first I didn't know what the situation was I thought it would like we got invited to dinner at the weather restaurant it was just going to be me and George JJ bleep that out I just said his name (laughs) um I thought it was just gonna be me and him um and then like I found out from Sunny that it was actually gonna be like a in the private dining room and it was all gonna be one table and I didn't and I was like I wanted him to come and I knew that he would back out I just didn't say anything until we got basically the day of and I was like oh by the way it's a one long table and I'd be furious if he'd done that to me but I still went ahead and did it and I don't know why I think that it's just like maybe there's just like some conscious level that you're just like oh it's okay but that's just being in a relationship and I think as well Fiona that's 
we've got quite abnormal jobs. I think yeah. in our kind of PR capacity, we are used to be thrown in with all these people and we're just like, oh, it's fine. You'll get over it. Yet yeah. on the flip side, I was shitting myself over meeting his parents. But anyways, how have you been in regards to your, um, like everything? Have you been back to see your therapist? How's that all going? So I've not been back to see her. I'm going back after I come back from holiday just because there wasn't time but honestly I have to say it was one of the most eye-opening things because I've now realized like I reacted to a few things maybe over the past like week um that I've understood why I've reacted like that and that's been so helpful because I've actually taken myself out of the situation and been like actually I'm not upset at the situation I'm upset about how it's making me feel and how it's making me feel is this which is what I've been told is something that I need to work on which has been really great because it's made me realize that actually a lot of the stuff that I get upset about in my relationship has nothing to do with him it's me which is good and I guess that's like in some ways like a better thing because it's not like because he's always like oh my god you get mad at me all the time and it's like I'm not getting mad at you I'm getting mad at how I feel because of my own insecurity yeah do you know what I didn't get a chance to speak to you about this last week but I did want to broach it and I feel like I should broach it because it's something that I find really helpful and I really genuinely just want to put it out there for people (coughs) excuse me people to listen to and take on board whether you are in a relationship you are single whether you're looking for love you're coming out of a breakup whatever so I had a meeting with my therapist and I went in and I kind of had this checklist of things that I wanted to talk about. But actually, I just talked ad nauseum for the whole session about my relationship, which actually wasn't really on the radar. And I felt that I was just feeling very disconnected from my partner. And just to give you an idea of the timeline, to remind you, I was away for nearly two months traveling then we went away on a holiday together then he has been doing a lot of studying for exams at work and then he has had a crazy crazy busy hectic month so Fiona we don't go to bed together don't wake up together don't have dinner together we're like ships in the night and I kind of felt that we were getting to that really dangerous place of like flatmates Mm. so I spoke to Peter my therapist and he explained it to me in probably the easiest way that I've I've been able to digest anyway and he said that we all as as people we all have a checklist and they are boxes that are so fundamental to the longevity of our relationships they're what Lisa would call a core value so that might mean uh, a core value might be security financial security adventure um traveling um inspiring each other all those things you can write them down and he said that basically if one of those boxes aren't ticked they are the boxes that will grow bigger and bigger and bigger over time and they're the things that will result in the breakdown of the relationship He said that you can 
especially in the early days, work on those things and you can try to compromise and build upon them. But if that box isn't ticked and that's an overlapping core value, that is definitely the thing that will break you up down the line. So for example, let's say- Sorry, just to interrupt you quickly. What do you, just in terms of these core values, just because I'm thinking about it as well. Uh-huh. You, um, sorry, my dog is like coughing. Okay. Um, <laughs> Do you make them yourself or are these general core values? So basically you have your own set of core values. Your partner has his own set of core values and they need to overlap. They need to overlap. I'm fully writing notes, by the way. I'm like, so for example, I felt that there was a core value in my list that wasn't on my partner's list. And I felt that it was going to grow bigger and bigger and bigger. And it was going to really fuck us up down the line. So let me give you an example. Finances. Let's say saving and financial security for me is really important, but for my partner, it's not. And he's like, oh, we'll see. We'll see how we get on. You know, we'll, we'll, we'll get it sorted somehow. In the beginning, that might be quite cute. Like, oh, he's just so lax and easy going with this sort of thing or whatever. But as time goes on, that can actually become really, really frustrating and challenging. Then you bring children into the equation and somebody needs to buy a new pram or buy a school uniform. And those things then become treacherous. So he helped me understand that. And he also helped me understand that it's okay that I feel certain things. It doesn't make me a good person or a bad person. And it doesn't make my partner a good person or bad person. It just means that our values are as such that maybe we're out of alignment. But the point of this ramble is you need to make sure that you're on the same page with those core values, because if you're not, he is witnessed in his therapy room. It's those things that are so small at the beginning that they're barely noticeable. And a lot of the times in the early stages of a relationship, perhaps we do ignore things. We willingly close our eyes or turn our backs to things because we don't want to deal with it because it's so small. But he assured me in his professional opinion, they're the things that grow and grow and combust and basically fuck shit up. So yeah, I agree with that. And I think that's why it's really important to have like the practical conversation that might not be the most romantic right at the start, yeah. because then you kind of get that out the way. Like, I mean, don't get me wrong. Like, I don't know all the core values at like right now, and I'm sure I will like learn about them, but most of them I got right out at the beginning. Exactly. So what you did was great. And I think Fiona, you've probably learned quite a bit on your dating oh, journey. You've learned from your mistakes and um, We've talked a lot on this podcast about them. Lisa has drilled them into you, those conversations as well. So I just found that really beneficial and it gave me great cause for conversation. I feel like I have been just not super honest with myself and I definitely haven't been honest with him because I haven't had a chance to sit down and have a conversation, Fiona. So... I really needed to prioritize a conversation that I didn't love having. I didn't love saying certain things, but I felt like if I don't say them, they are going to be the the, the little box that isn't ticked. That's when the water creeps in. And over time, that water expands and expands and expands. And before you know it, 
the rock face of your relationship was blown off. So I've been listening to a podcast and I really, really encourage anybody in a relationship to listen to this podcast. So it's Jay Shetty. His on purpose podcast is phenomenal, but he recently um, went live with a podcast and it's essentially reasons why we fall out of love, but also things that we can do to counteract that falling out of love. According to a study, I'm not sure if he commissioned the study or it was as a result of research, but he basically said that 65% of couples break up due to communication issues. Um, juxtaposed with 38% that break up due to infidelity. And I find that quite a striking number, like 65 is sizable. And don't you think though, that's an interesting fact, sorry to interrupt, don't you think that's an interesting fact? I think that if you listen to Esther Corral, she talks about the fact that infidelity can come from lack of communication. And it's probably one of the main reasons why people cheat. Absolutely. Like, um, you know, unfaithful because their communication has completely broken down and that's why they go and seek it from elsewhere it's it's that connection and one of the one of the reasons that he dictates in this podcast in this episode that I think is fantastic it's the lack of emotional connection and availability so there's a difference Fiona between you and your boyfriend sitting down in the evening and watching Netflix together or browsing on your phone or reading a book yes you might be physically present with each other but you're not emotionally present with each other being a most emotionally present means sitting down and having a conversation so that's just one of those things that's one of his reasons other reasons include the likes of we stop learning new things about each other um, and he encourages people to sit down have conversations and really like reignite that spark for example my boyfriend and I went out yesterday for dinner and we've been going out for over two years and I just discovered for the first time that he went out off backpacking around Europe by himself after university I had no idea about that and I was like asking questions oh my god where and how and how did I not know this because the reality is we haven't sat down and been emotionally available for each other other things included, and I thought this was really interesting and I'd love to get your thoughts on it. We don't create systems to deal with arguments. Do you have a system in place? No. No. We argue all the time. So this one would really apply to you then, Fiona. Tell me about your arguing style. Oh, we and I actually, I think I you sent this podcast to me and I sent it to him and I was like, listen to the part about arguments because in the argument segment that he does, he talks about the fact that he should, an argument should be more like a debate rather yeah. than an argument, which is a debate has obviously an objective towards it. Yeah. And I also think that where we need to be better at our arguments is like one, not threatening the relationship every time we have an argument, which is so easily to easily done because you're just like, for fuck's sake, like, let's just fucking, um, but I also think that another thing that he said, um, is that we don't often, when we argue, find out what is the actual core reason about what is making us upset. Because I think that when I, when we are arguing, I sometimes, and he says that emotions change after 90 seconds. So I think 
you know, I was thinking argued over the weekend, I can't remember what it was about, but like, I like after a bit of time, it calmed down and our emotions had changed. Mm-hmm. And we then, I then discovered why was this making me upset? And it usually comes down to my insecurity about something or his yeah. insecurity something it's never the actual thing about what we're arguing oh my god you've like hit the nail on the head with that Fiona what and I I felt like we we could apply it to you because I think especially in the early days of a relationship you're at that point where you're like oh fuck it we'll just break up then and you always feel like you're 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 walking on eggshells and it's important just to kind of have those caveats beforehand that we're not going to say those things it's us against the problem not us against each other and also I love what you've said and this applied to me very recently was what are we actually arguing about here is it the fact that you didn't load the dishwasher or is it actually because I don't feel like you're considerate of me or my time or my feelings so how this how I can apply this to me personally was I was saying to my boyfriend I feel like we don't spend any time together I feel like we don't we're not connecting I feel like this this and this and then I sat and I took Jay Shetty's advice and he said to prepare and share so really like prepare what you want to say and I brought to the table the fact that I felt triggered because my ex as you know Fiona we lived apart for two years and we were he was in Saudi and we led we led completely different lives and in the end it just drove an unbearable wedge between us and we broke up and I kind of felt like what's happening with us it's triggering me and it's reminding me that I don't want to go back to that place so listen we're just summarizing the podcast but it's a really really good one to go and listen to I find it hugely hugely beneficial and it leads me on to a letter Fiona that I have um very much aligns with this topic so I'm just going to get straight to it so hi girls hope you can help me with some clarity I have been in a relationship for five years and engaged for two we didn't plan anything in regards to our wedding as it didn't seem logical in lockdown but now we are starting to plan and look at venues etc We have met a few planners who are so well-intentioned, asking and presuming how excited I am. The fact is, I'm not really excited. I feel that I'm going through the motions. I love my partner. I love every hair on his head. He is my best friend, but I don't know if I am in love. I asked my best friend and she thought I would, I asked my best friend if she thought that I was in love. And she said the fact that I had to ask indicated that I, I may not be. There is something going on inside of me and I'm not sure what it is. I am worried that I am settling, but I feel intense guilt and confusion as I love my boyfriend very much. I'm over 30 and I'll be honest, I feel panicked. I'm actually crying as I am writing you this letter. I feel so emotional and totally lost. I'm so sad. Well, I mean, I feel like there's so much pressure when it comes to like getting married for a start Mm -hmm. that people feel like just because they're engaged and just because they're getting married because it's supposed to be a declaration of how much you're in love with each other. I feel like people, I don't know, I feel like people get a bit clouded with their judgment of like what they feel like with their partners. Um, I think as though it's really difficult for me, I don't know, I'm, I'm, it's a difficult one because of course, what is after a while, what's the difference between loving someone and, and being in love with them? 
because you can love someone but then also not be in love with them but what's the difference great question so you knew me when I was engaged before yeah I probably would have been the same timeline as this girl I think I was with my ex for seven years engaged for three or something and you were there with me many times and I was crying at work and I was seeking validation from everybody from you from Ruby from Sophie Sophie who was at that time planning her wedding in the south of France and I remember saying to Sophie like how do you know that it's the right thing like how should I know and she said to me Laura no matter what shit Andrew and I have had thrown at us, no matter the arguments that we have, I know fundamentally that I want to get married to him. Like I cannot wait to become his wife despite all the shit. So previously I had to hang up a phone call before you and I jumped on to record and I was having a chat with my best friends in Dubai. There are a couple and they've probably been married at this stage for like let's say 10 years they've got two kids they've got a business they like work really hard they spend a lot of time together and she said to me like you can have it all like you can have the best friend you can have the companion you can have the confidant but ultimately you have to have that thing that makes you different from the relationship with let's say Fiona or your best friend or your sister or whoever there has to be that spark that really fuses you together and in response to what this girl has written in I think you're right there is a lot of pressure to get married but I'm not feeling anything in that letter that's jumping out at me to claim the fact that she is in love with this guy and ultimately she wants to be with him. Like nothing about that tone indicates that she is fully on board with this, with this marriage. I think if you're not like, sorry, I'm just stuffing my face with banana. I think also, I think what Sophie, our friend said about, I can't wait to be his wife. I can't wait. Like I know that, I'm in love with this boyfriend much more than I ever was whenever I've said it before, because I can't wait to do things. I can't wait to have a future. I can't wait to move in together. I've never had that before. And I think that if you're not excited for the future life, but you love him as a person, that's maybe your indication. If you're not excited about, because I think I saw this quote today actually about like Chris Evans or something. And it was said, like, I want, I can't, I want someone, I want to find someone that I want to live with. Yeah. And I think it's one of these things, like, you want to find someone that you want to marry, that you want to have the future, that you want to have this life with. And maybe that's the the indication, because you can love, like, I love my best friends more than anything. I don't want to live with them. Mm -hmm. I want to, like, go on fun holidays and whatever, but I I don't want to live with them or have kids with them. I know there's people listening to this and they'll be on either side of the fence with this one. For example, my best friend, Sabrina, who I just spoke to, will be screaming at me going, Laura, this girl deserves to feel completely head over heels in love with her fiance and she needs to feel that thing. I know other people will be listening and thinking, you know what, after five years, 
that spark does wane and you can go on to have a perfectly happy, lovely, healthy relationship with somebody where there's a partnership, where there's companionship, where there's trust, where there's respect, where you're raising your children, if that's what you choose to do in you know, an aligned fashion, you share the same core values. Maybe that spark isn't there, but you know what? Is that shit really that important down the line? And I think ultimately that all depends on the person. I I have a friend, I have a couple of friends actually that I know their marriages aren't perhaps filled with the spark or the passion, but they have made a commitment to each other and they work really well as a team. They raise their family um, and they have each other as companions, confidants and ultimate supporters and cheerleaders so ultimately for this girl I feel like she just needs to really sit down with her thoughts and she needs to be honest with herself she also needs to have if she hasn't had it already an extremely important potentially uncomfortable conversation with her partner about can he do anything to help yeah. the situation? Are her needs not being met in a certain way that it's chipping away at her spark? Um, like, yeah, I, I, I feel for this girl. I've been in that position before. Yeah, and also I think it's um I think it's incredibly it's incredibly hard as well when there has been like a commitment, like a marriage proposal for someone to leave a situation because I feel like the pressures and it's like almost like it's like people feel like ashamed or embarrassed to leave a situation, but it's actually extremely courageous to leave that situation. When like for you, Laura, it was really courageous for you to leave that situation because you had a ring on your finger, but it doesn't mean that you can't do it. And it doesn't mean that you can't rebuild your life because you can, it's almost like if thing depends what you exactly, it depends on the person. It depends what you want from life. Like, do you, are you okay with it just being good or are you looking for it to be great? Yeah. And I, like, People are cool with it just being like, it's good, I'm comfortable, I settled, I'm happy, I'm not happy every day, but it's okay. But do you want the like greatness, um, which I'm sure a lot of people people do, but it's okay as well if you're cool with it not being like that. But I think that for me personally, like I I I don't I can't do anything in halves. Like if I'm gonna live with someone, if I'm gonna like be in love with them, I'm like fully 100 percent all in. And if I don't feel 100% all the time, then I couldn't be in that situation. I feel that with this girl, and I can put my hand to my heart and say it with full conviction, I know she's going through it because I went through it myself. And that is the fear of the unknown. I spent probably a solid year, the last year of my relationship with my fiance, in a really toxic relationship. And I'm not saying that it was his fault, by the way, we were we were both mutually responsible, but I stayed in that relationship because I was afraid of what lay outside of it. I thought I would rather stay in this relationship where I loved the person. Maybe I wasn't in love with them. Maybe we didn't have a lot of things, but I was with a good man. I had a ring on my finger. We'd been together for seven years. And I was so afraid of being on my own that I was seeking assurances from everybody. Like Ruby, for example, who was like, Laura, please just fucking do this. I was like, do you guarantee me that I will meet somebody if I break up with him? Like I needed somebody to physically write a contract and sign it that I would meet somebody. And I think when you're a bit older as well, that shit is fucking real and that shit shakes you to your core. So 
in response to this girl let's summarize listen to the jay shetty podcast it is so helpful um that that episode in particular six reasons why you're falling out of love and how to alleviate sit down listen to your gut have a very very honest conversation with yourself and your partner and know that you will be all right you will be more than okay and what is for you will not pass you and if you're not meant to be with this person you're meant to be with somebody else and he's just waiting around the corner waiting for you to come 100 and i think that my friend Gemma said this to me when like we were in Istanbul and it had it, it 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 was so like it was one of those like you know there was like moments where you're like wow she said and it's exactly what you just said what is meant for you will come for you and it is just when you live by that fatalistically you're going to be fine yeah so let's hear from our amazing sponsor El Couture for our segment El Couture recommends yeah, so a huge shout out to our amazing sponsor, El Couture, a female-founded and female-run athleisure wear brand that have created a myriad of collections. One of my favorite words, by the way, Fiona, I use myriad in every single press release. M-Y-R-A-I-D. Um, a myriad of beautiful collections, including the Elemental Lounge collection, a super chic and comfy collection that's perfect for traveling. Personally, Fiona, I'm a big fan of the high-waisted, wide-legged pants and matching top in a soft jersey material. If you live in Dubai, you can stop by their gorgeous store on Alwassel or avail of their express for delivery. If you live outside of the UAE like I do, then delivery will take a few days and they cover all taxes and shipping. Please do use our Love Bites 20 code for an exclusive 20% discount. And if you buy something from them, please, please give us a wee shout out on social media, tag us and tag El Couture. Lovely. What have you been consuming, my dearest friend? Well, Fiona, I have fallen down a podcast abyss in the form of true crime. Have you listened to any true crime podcasts of recent? I I tried once. Okay. So I felt that in the morning I was like so lambasted with self-care and then I had that like breakthrough with my therapist and honestly I just felt like I was getting really too deep into my own head so I thought a great salve to that would be true crime so I've got a friend Colleen and she's a true crime aficionado and she recommend she recommended a podcast called West Cork have you heard of it OS what? West Cork, C-O-R-K, the south of Ireland. So you can also find this on Netflix. So there's a Netflix documentary about West Cork. And it is a gripping podcast. I believe there's 14 episodes. And I listened to all 14 episodes over the course of three or four days. So when I took the dog for a walk, when I went for a walk myself, when I was painting a piece of furniture, when I was working, this podcast is addictive. If you're not into podcasts, you can go to um, Netflix and watch it. Essentially, in a nutshell, a in the 90s, 90s, yes, a very affluent society girl from Paris went to the south of Cork, sorry, went to the south of Ireland to a place called West Cork and she was brutally brutally oh, murdered was her name Sophie yes 
Yes, okay, I've started watching this documentary. I need to watch the rest right. of it, yeah. She was brutally murdered, right? And that's fucking awful. And that's like the pinnacle of this. But what ensues in the podcast is tremendous because basically they have a suspect, right? Called Ian Bailey. They have a suspect. Everybody, quote unquote, knows it was him, thinks it was him, but they can't prove it. When you listen to the podcast, I find minute by minute, episode by episode, I thought he did it. I didn't think he did it. I was like, no, it can't be him. Yes, fucking, of course it's him. Of course it's him. You get drawn into this saga like I have never experienced in my life. Have a listen. Prepare to be enthralled. West Cork on podcast. And if you don't want to listen to the podcast, then put it onto Netflix. And you tell me, dear listener... Let us know what you think. Did Ian Bailey do it? Let us know. Love that. I'm going to watch. I'm going to watch the rest of the documentary. Um, my recommendation this week is I haven't read it yet, but it's on my nightstand, ready to read. It's called Block, Delete, Move On by La La La. Let me explain this. So for those of you that don't know, La La, let me explain this. She has an Instagram account. She's also got a column in OK, and um, her Instagram is basically a lot about like, you know patriarchy and like helping women um and fab. so amazing. Yeah. I'm sure a lot of people that listen to this podcast know who she is um she gives a lot of advice about relationships and toxic relationships and like toxic toxic masculinity and actually our good friend Joe Westwood has um written written as part of this book as well so it basically this book is like a culmination of her like Instagram account and it's all about basically um self-empowerment and my friend Georgie actually, um, Georgie Bradley, a good friend of mine, recommended it to to, to me to read. Um, I think I probably needed this book when I was single because I definitely needed to block, delete, and move on from a few a few situations. I absolutely did not. Anyway, I really recommend it. I'm going to start reading it. <coughs> I'll let you know how it goes. But for any of you, Lala, let me explain this. Um, oh my God, I'm going to choke. <coughs> Excuse me, um, fans. Please do read it. And our recommendation from Elgashaw is one of my favorite books of all time. It's One Day by David Nichols. One Day, it's actually got a film with Anne Hathaway in it. It is the best holiday read. You can read it <coughs> literally within a week. And it's basically about these two best friends and the book is set um, every day on the same day. Um, and they write letters to each other on the same day every day and it is just one of the most romantic love stories but also like such an amazing book and david nichols like he's just such an amazing writer of like characters and i definitely recommend it so thank you so much i'm gonna cough one sec <coughs> um what a great i feel like that was a great episode laura that was like i got like a lot of shit off my chest then good, and good. This is what happened with my therapy session like he just sat there wide-eyed like wow i did not see any of this coming it just drives home the importance of communication of being as honest as possible because we all know that when you're when you're not honest and you internalize things it just leads to so much frustration and so much emotional trauma built up in your body and honestly life is too fucking short for that so unload whatever way you can that's face to face with your partner it's having those tricky conversations but ultimately they do pay off yeah i completely agree all right baby girl thank you so much laura love, love you so much see you later